Thank you for joining me again for my second ever podcast, The Living Lilith Podcast. I'm Chriselle Pacheco, your hostess here with entertainer extraordinaire Jezebel Jackson. I'm so excited to, to have Jezebel on this podcast in particular because uh, a lot of people in my life and people who have been following me on social media for a little while too know that I was a stripper for 20 years. And this is where I've learned a lot about myself and life and, and reality, about our civilization, about everything. And it was an initiatory experience for me. It was a spiritual experience for me. And I just can't tell you how much I love all my sorority sisters <laughs> and to get a chance to like chat with them and get their life stories and, and, and talk about the connection between that experience um, and the wild woman, right? And the feral feminine, which is uh, what, what I think this really is about, too, on another level. I'm just so excited. You know, I, I, I love this. And I feel like I miss the locker room. So to me, this feels like, ooh, we're in the locker room. We can hang out and just have these conversations. You know, that's what I miss the most about about being a stripper. I missed a lot of things. I miss the cash, money and all the fun. But the locker room was a very intimate space and I really enjoy talking to everybody there and hanging out. So that's what this kind of feels like. So thank you so much yeah. for being here, Jezebel. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. It is. I love doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a really wonderful story and, and I've been following Jezebel, everybody, on Instagram for a couple of years because I, I followed Antonia Crane who is a woman who wrote a book. I can't remember the name of her book. And I'm, I'll just, I'll mention that book in, in the link here too, when this is published. But she wrote a book about a stripping experience in New Orleans, particularly I think at Penthouse. And that's where she danced. And that's where I worked too. And I met Jezebel and I didn't meet her. I haven't met you yet in person, but I connected <laughs> with you on the internet, on Instagram, because you were on a video with Antonia and you guys were going live on her uh, channel, on her Instagram page, talking about, being a Gen Xer, right? Yeah, I'll an older. That. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, and I and I loved it. I loved the things yeah. you said. I wanted to like join in. I was like, oh, I was like, fan cool. girl. They don't want to talk. Yeah, <laughs> the Gen X crew. It's like few of us. <laughs> yeah, right. It was so awesome because I was feeling the same way. I was like, it's That's so cute. weird. So let's start. It. Let's start there because I think it's a really cool place to start regarding like being an entertainer right now, a stripper 
burlesque dancer, which I want you to talk about, but also first being somebody who's who's not 25 doing it, right? Yeah. And that experience uh, of being older in this industry, that's now it's trending. So it's trending to do all this. Um, so talk about that a little bit. And I and then we're going to get into a lot of other things, uh, your story and so on. So I feel like I'm doing a lot better actually now. I do a lot better financially. Just like I'm not as my conversations are more real with people. It's a little bit easier in that way. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm actually will be 44 in April. So, yes. Oh, and I've been stripping since 1997. And I started when I was 18 years old. Uh, so, yes, I have this whole span of different ways I've been and what areas I've been in I think at 25 I was more interested in having fun and kind of like yeah I made money because I didn't have to I guess I didn't have to try as hard but now I'm older and I like talking more anyway and I like like hmm. being a little more real anyway and so I'm getting those people and so there's always a place for like mm. the older people. And there's been women that have danced a lot longer than me and they make money, you know? I mean, it's just when the club starts kind of, you know, pushing yeah. you out because of your age. And that's a thing that does happen in a lot of places that doesn't happen to me here. Um, right. Actually, yeah. uh, I'm pretty impressed with how much everybody respects like the fact I've been dancing there so long and like things like that. Mm. And maybe it is the times mm -hmm. because, you know, there's more information and people talking about it. So that's really great. Do you find yourself in kind of a, kind of a mentor role sometimes for a lot of younger women? A whole lot. And, but sometimes I have to work too. So I'm like, well, if you know, I'm, I teach classes or you can ask for like private, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes I'll be like working and there'll be, asking and I'm like I'm trying to like you know I try to give out information and at some point it is a lot to give out you know like when right. I do offer some services you know what I mean like in those ways like really cheap private classes and stuff you know and I offer dancers that and I'll like teach my club is really nice they've let me teach a yearly class where I teach things like etiquette or like get on the stage and show people like very new oh wow yeah when I was out of the club more and I was doing bartending and a few other things for mm -hmm. a little bit the club would let me come in and still do that so they still held me in like a good space so yeah I'm finding growing in this industry where I'm at is helpful because it's a small town too right you know but like I don't know if that happens like I mean I travel still and dance a little mm -hmm. but I'm not like one of the elders in the club you know so I don't know what it's like for them really so like oh. talking to some of the older people are hearing stories I search for that because there's very few like you know what I mean that I can like ask or like right hear their side you know so so that's no, that's, that's you all no, 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 that, that's all good. Because I, I love the whole idea of talking about time and generational differences inside of this one space, right? It's yeah. like, I'm, I'm imagining like, when I go back to some of the clubs I've worked at, and I look at the stage, and I see the inside, there are things that have changed. And I've, I've danced in, and lived in different states and things like like you, but you definitely travel a lot more than I did, I would go there and then stay and live. I go there and yeah. stay and live. And that's kind of what I did. But 
to go back to these clubs to see how much they have changed, if they have changed at all. Sometimes they've, they've, you know, they have different chairs and things like that, but it's very very nostalgic, right? So, but the generational changes though, with the younger women or just every generation of women that come through those doors, uh, you said you started when you were 18 yeah, and that was back in, you said 97, 1997. Yeah. And was it at the club you're at now? Uh, no, I started in Houston at heartbreakers. So let's Um, talk about that. Like your experience when you first started, why did you start dancing? What was all, what was happening? What was your life like? Most girls back then started out of necessity because it wasn't the popular thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I felt like that kind of thing, definitely more different than now. People are there because it's like kind of celebrated and that's lovely. I'm glad that we're there. Mm -hmm. But um, back then it was really underground that way where it was a space where people who didn't graduate or were in foster care or had children before they were like 20, you know, and like, or in, like they were all like most of them had situations or wanted to go to college and had to pay their way through. Now people do it because it's celebrated more like a whole lot, <laughs> which is neat. That's interesting. I'm glad to it live in both, spawn both things. So um, I might be right. going off subject. No. No, no, you're not. I think though, because yeah. I want to talk about this is all connected. This is what I'm trying to ask about, like the the time and how much things have changed. And I wanted to bring people back to when you started, because that's a whole nother world to to yeah. join this sorority of women yeah. in the world. Right. Uh, when it was not trending, that's a whole nother kind of grit and experience that you have to go through uh, than than now. So like, why, why did you personally you, you had to do it out of necessity? Yeah, I had to do it on necessity. I was a foster kid at the end of my last two years of my teen life. Um, I dropped out in the ninth grade. I had a lot of bad, like things happen. Turned out in foster care. And then when I turned 18, I knew what I had. Like I met some, randomly met some older girls that were dancers, but I also come from a long line of strippers. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch, there's a whole like parallel thing. Back when this was happening, I didn't realize the extent. I was just comfortable with the notion at a young age. I so, already oh. knew at like 17 that I was in a bad situation. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do for a living. I don't want to work for this coffee shop, you know, and I live in a small town in Arkansas. And all I wanted to do was not like it is now. It's really cool art space now, like a really neat little hub now. But back in the day it was in the middle of nowhere and I lived also in the middle of nowhere right so I was like you know at this point I was like I were this is my ticket the women in my family have done it so I was comfortable with it and um I've grown up like hearing their wonderful travel adventures and they're you know they did it more theatrically and stuff for a while you know so I don't know. I just, then randomly I met some older women and they were like, we're dancers. And I don't know. I don't remember how it all started, but they were like, we live, they lived here in hot springs. And they were like, we go to Houston. We don't dance in hot springs because it's so dirty. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I wound up in Houston or I would have started here because I already wanted to. Yeah. And so they drove me and I didn't know back then you couldn't Google that. Right. You couldn't get online and be like, (laughs) 
stripping, how do I dance? How do I ask somebody for a job at the club? What does it look like to strip? No, the girls stripping in videos and stuff back then were not, they didn't hire real strippers. It looks, now at least they look like real strippers. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> but back then there was no online pleasers or any of that crap. So like right. it, everything was having to be sourced. Like, and yeah. And you also had to be brave to enter the underground because of that. So, well, I mean, it's like, the, okay, I don't know if I'm going to dance, you know? Yeah. You don't know. It's like, well, the necessity forces you to be brave. It's like, you have to, you have to do it. Right. It's just like, you have to face I knew it. That this was my ticket. And it began right away as a ticket because I was sitting in Hodunk, Arkansas here or whatever they call it. Right. <laughs> Arkansas here sitting around here, like, like in foster care, had a bad run. And I had lived in Hawaii and then Florida before all this stuff had happened. Things of like, I knew that there was a world, right? Right. And I don't know. I mean, it just like happened. It was like magic. It still is magic to me. I have a lot of magic stories because I let my heart guide me. Like a hundred percent, man. I hear you. I want to know what it felt like for you. Cause I think about my first time on the stage uh, too. And I, 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 it's like burning my brain in the heart. I never forget it. the feeling of it, the, the smell of everything around me, just yeah. all senses. I remember it. What, what was yours? Oh my gosh. I remember details. Um, I bought a long leopard print dress. It's floor length. It was something you wouldn't even go in the club in anymore. Like it's not <laughs> even that cool. And boots that were like clog heels. I don't know. I probably was behind because when I went for the first time and I saw the girls, I was like, dang, they're costumes, right? right. <laughs> I was in Houston, you know. Yeah, right, I right. Something from the mall in Hot Springs. <laughs> I love it. And, and it was the 90s. So if you can imagine, I have the dog collar, you know. I mean, yeah, I'm still right. rocking that. I'm, not, I'm saying like, I'm still rocking that. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, okay. Then I was like backstage about to go on. I got the job mm -hmm. and I was about to go on. And um, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Oh my gosh, what do I do? I remember being in sheer panic. What was the song? What was the song? What do I do? And the girl said, the girls I was traveling with said, you just got to get up there and do it. <laughs> I tell hey, What was your song? Do you remember the song you danced to the first yes. one? So I danced to Lords of Acid, Sit on Your Face. And then I danced to um, Shake Your Booty. Shake, 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 shake your booty. I was 18, mind you. That's a child. Like, <laughs> I didn't have a big scope on music yet. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Oh, that's wonderful. I then love I was that. laughing and crying because I was embarrassed. And then this guy. And then I'm crying because I was, like, embarrassed. I don't know. It was, like, a mixed thing. Right. And this guy was real sweet and he was tipping me. This was like so far back that I remember it. This is how traumatizing it was. No, <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely oh, well. I remember it so good. <laughs> I mean, the only way to do anything is to fuck around and find out, right? You just got to right. throw yourself in the it. The first time is the most intense for something. It is. Like it really, really is. Then I had to give a dance immediately. The guy's like, I want to dance, you know, because I was so. I was a hippie, you know, I was like innocent looking, like, I don't know, very new. Right, right. And so he gets a dance and 
yeah i remember that too he was very well behaved but it was awkward as hell nobody showed me how i was just watching another girl before right just did it you couldn't look up videos there were no classes i know there's nothing there was there was nothing there was no instagram was for the desperate people i'm really curious about um your family you said that the women in your family had been already doing something similar can you talk about that what were they doing exactly and who was it where did they do it but what was all that story the women on my mother's side of the family date so far back it drops off after okay so my great aunt was a burlesque adagio in vaudeville mainly vaudeville and adagio at first in 1923 her name was nyla apollo she worked for naro lockford and company and she replaced zeta the famous zeta who did all like they were in paris before that and her and her brother created a dodgio team and they worked on it their whole lives and they came to america and did it for years well when the sister wanted to leave my aunt replaced her in their show she was very very good she was a headliner and uh, she worked for him until he died and then she um continued to do that it turns I have pictures, you know, I'm still trying to research it all of her doing burlesque in the fifties. So she became old in the industry too. And in that time it had changed where she was like pasties and like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> oh God, when yes. she started in the 23, she was 15 years old when she started. Wow. So before her was my great grandma. There's little to know about her. All they said was she was a wild poker player. So what does that tell you? I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know how far that goes back. I'm really trying to research and I'm trying to learn how to research because it's kind of like a lot. Because you can't, this stuff is not on internet. Like, right. I'd like to learn more, maybe take a class on like how the research better. Because it's just kind of overwhelming. Oh. Like I would love to get deeper into that. Well, maybe, maybe some of the listeners here might have some ideas. And if uh, you're listening to Jezebel's story, like if you have any ideas about where she can start, please, please share. uh, Cause that would be a very fascinating for you to Jezebel to, to like, to resurrect the story of the, your, your, your feminine line. I mean, you're living it out again. Like it's, it's in your blood. Yeah. And I, um, I inherited all their things. So it doesn't stop with her. My um, aunt became a headliner striptease artist through from the 60s to the 80s. And I have all her things. And where was she? Her name was Windy City. She was, that was her stage name, W-E-N-D-Y-S-I-T-Y. I love it. And she was from Chicago and she wound up traveling all over and headlining. And my great aunt got her into it. So it became a family kind of, then my grandmother was a stripper for a while, but she couldn't handle it. And she did theater and she started the Y&I dinner theater in Hawaii. It was the first dinner theater in Hawaii on the beach. Oh, wow. Yeah, I moved down there and made a local theater. And it was the first thing that they've ever seen like that. They got a thank you letter from the state of Hawaii saying they brought so much art to that Y and I, that side of the island. So that's how I was born. That's how I wound up like being born there and stuff. 
but <laughs> oh my, my family, yeah my family's theater and performance stuff then my gr- mother was a stripper for like seven years so wow. but she started after me because she felt like she was the only one who hadn't she was always in the theater and art and stuff and and, and, and um, where did she do it where did she dance so she doesn't dance anymore she owns a dog grooming business but she started stripping um and strips for about six to seven years after I started, after she saw that it was, and she was in her forties when she started. So she was oh, still like, wow. yeah, she was able to do it for a while. Yeah. So she, she stripped up she until like, she, up until like her fifties, she kept going. Yeah. Like she danced pro- probably. Yeah. Till her fifties. Oh my God. That is so end. amazing. Like, yeah. And I'm telling you, I'm turning, I'm turning 50 in June. And, uh, there's a part of me that wants to kind of go. Good go back and just do it again a few more times is just to kind of really for the nerve of it just to do it you know you can make money though because you're smart yeah right you can sit down and and just have a for a lot of reasons but i'm just saying like you know i mean right right no 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 yeah because you gotta like talk but i I was always like that anyway you know too always wanted to talk i always was curious about people and and their stories and like why were they there yeah you know like Mm -hmm. who are they so one of the things we talked about yesterday, and I wanted to bring this up, is especially because of your wild woman family line. You yeah, know what I mean? It is. It's really neat to me. I really enjoy learning right. about it and thinking about it. And I talk about it a lot. Like in my, yeah. usually if I'll post a picture, I'll post something about. <laughs> right. No, that's, I've seen some of the posts that you've made on your Instagram about your family and about your the women in your family. That and the thing about like the idea of the wild woman, I want to ask you this too because we talked about this and earlier you brought up the underground. You have to be brave to go to the underground. Can you tell me more about what what you mean by that exactly? Like, how would you describe that to people who don't know what you're talking about necessarily? They they talk about they know stripping is underground, but what is it about that that makes you have to be brave? Well, when I was speaking of that more, it was back then felt more underground, but Mm -hmm. it is. It has lost a little magic in that way. Yeah. (laughs) But it is still an underground because it's a place where, you know, the regular rules don't really, a lot of rules of society don't really apply. Right. Uh It's a place where people can talk about something or reveal a fetish or their inner desire and then leave it there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Would you say that strippers then like that we served or serve a social purpose that goes unnoticed or unrewarded? Yeah. Uh, 100% sex therapists, sex witches here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, definitely that's an unnoticed thing down to whatever it is that these people are. Well, I mean, every dancer is different, but that's how I look at it. You know, like, like even the most aggressive dances I've had, um, I feel like I'm helping them work through something that normal society can't give them. No regular sex therapist could give them. Right. And after doing it this long, I literally feel like I know what I'm doing in that energy realm. And people are like, how's the energy not wear off on you? Well, it, I mean, it does. And so I have to take off enough time in between mm, 
-hmm. I can't work lots of days in a row. Like I have to protect my energy because it does get thrown off. Right. You know, that's what's underground about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. That people don't talk about or like, it's not really, people talk about a little more now, but I don't think they understand the scope of like all of it, unless you do it for a long time, especially like. Like decades, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, the more, the longer that you do it, I mean, the more information you're going to get, cause you're going to get to see all the, the changes happening. This so much has changed. What has changed the most since you started? I know we said that it's, it's more mainstream now, right? So it's more accepted. That's a major thing. Yeah. Um, that's like a big thing. Um, also, Oh, I'll have to think about that farther than that because that's like a huge, <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, so much, I mean, obviously there's cheesy things. Like I used to dance with CDs that skipped. They always skipped. <laughs> I love it. You know, I had to pay for every damn CD, whether I liked every song or not. Right. $25 right. a pop sometimes, $20 a pop, probably more. Dang. Yeah. And if it was something real obscure, you just didn't know. There was no internet, you know, I mean, right, that's, right. You know, that was the major thing. But also that you couldn't document your time back then. And mm -hmm. now it's kind of like, we always knew that was a little upsetting because we all, a lot, not all of us were okay with that actually back then, because if it did get out back then, it would ruin lives. Ruin like, completely. Yeah. That's yeah, for ruin, sure. Ruin lives. Mm -hmm. It would even ruin your life at the restaurant. If you told if the ladies like, what do you do for a living? Why are you paying out with so many ones? Everybody. And so I stopped like caring about making up something. I'd be like, you ask, I'm going to tell. I mean, way right. back in the thousands, I said, I'm a stripper. Right. Glasses right. would break. I mean, literal rude people after that. Like you right. would not believe the stigma was so thick then. It's definitely not thick anymore. I don't care what anybody says. It's not even that bad anymore. It's not. It's a whole better world in that way. Yeah, because I didn't uh, start. I didn't start dancing until uh until I was twenty nine, and oh. then about and then about three years later. I, no, sorry, three months later, I turned thirty, and this was in two thousand and three, I think. Yeah, something like that. Wow. And I and I danced in San Francisco. That's where I started. Oh. Um, was was there, and even it was right. It was right before the iPod. Remember the iPod? Yeah, yeah. It was right before we had we had the flip phones, but and then that's when texting just started. Like texting, it was rough. It was like one letter at a time. It took forever. You didn't even want to do it. You just gave up. <laughs> that's right. when emojis came in. You were just like you do two dots and a line for right. mouth. Exactly. It's like or just like yeah, I hear you. Just here's like an ear or something like that. It's too much. It's still too much for me. I don't like doing it. You know, yeah. it's still too much. I want to get back. I don't want to forget this point I want to make because I really want to talk about the underground and what's the new underground. Oh. If this is no longer as underground as it used to be, like, what is the new underground then? Oh, like, what so is it? it's still underground in the sense that the energy, like, so be working with energy in that kind of way where you're healing people's, even if it's a, like a weird, dark desire, you can like, you know, you can't could, if you're that type, <laughs> right, right, right. I'll heal them. Not everybody's like in tune with that or wants to be, but right. um, yeah. Right. So that's very underground. And in fact, even the men don't even even the customers don't know what's going on. Like they're just <laughs> doing it after years of doing it, you know. So or, I mean, some people tune into it fast. I don't know. Right. 
Um, so that's really underground uh, about that. And also the style of dance. I mean, you can't really do that anywhere. You can't be a wild freak, like in the sheets everywhere. <laughs> but like all night long, every night you can if you dance at right. the underground. Yeah, right. That's what's underground, things like that. And the fact that, you know, you're meeting so many people and having so many conversations in a night and and then the women you know like uh, all the people you work with like it's you know all about their stuff and that's a lot of people more it's, than the, it's the most diverse experience I've ever had of work anywhere it's the most yeah, diverse and you can like go in to sit with different ones every night and get to know each person each 20 girls that you work out with and mm -hmm. like you know Right. And, um, and then you're like, everybody's just so different, you know, everybody's just born, like, they're just so different, you know, it's so neat, you know, yeah. like, I love that. Yeah. And, uh, but really, I think the most underground part of the world work is the energy work. And I don't even think a lot of the younger people tune into that yet, or some mm -hmm. people haven't, or will ne maybe never get into that, mm -hmm. but it, it really exists like that can be. You know, and I feel like that's why I do so well now because I'm able to really tap into that, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Because I'm doing kind of escort work now too, not sexually necessarily, but um, mm. more like meeting with people and being their friend company. And in trade, they buy me out. Yes. So that I'm able to accompany them. But I'm actually enjoying that work. It's, you know what I mean? Like being I do. <clears throat> like help really help somebody go be above and beyond and meet them as a friend, you know, but yeah, there is an exchange because I would need to work. You know what I mean? Like, right. so it's, I feel like it's a, it's a good exchange because I'm not doing that for free, just helping and healing and like, you know, and that, I mean, that, that really, that, I, I mean, that sounds rude. Okay. I do do that for free. <laughs> Dude. I understand That's though. I mean, the truth wrong. is, maybe you cut that part. No, no, no. It's the truth though. You know, this, I call it pussy reparations. Okay. <laughs> I do do a lot of that and I've done a lot of that free work in my life and I continue to do that. But mm -hmm. there is like a point where if I'm taking a lot of my energy away from myself and what I need to do mm -hmm. to grow myself, to go and help you because of your crisis. Right. You know, donate to the cause. <laughs> I mean, it's an energy exchange. If not, then right, you're just yes. like there existing as like a martyr for, for everything, you know, for everybody. You're here too. I think right? though, when I was a younger woman, I didn't, that didn't affect me as bad. I could just like kind of yeah hang out with all these different energies and things. Now I've realized how much it can affect you, especially when you're not aware of it. Right. Yeah, because uh, it's an it's an energy exchange and, you know, men and women both go into the strip club to look for something that's missing in society, right? During the day outside in their nine to five jobs. And what is it that they're looking for that even if they don't know it, how would you describe it? Yeah, so. um, Well, OK, I think it's really fun for one to go in a place like that because instead of just going to a bar where you're like having to talk to all these people 
-hmm. you're watching like people do art on the stage like be really good and creative like I don't know that I mean I noticed that my whole life like it's a fun atmosphere mm -hmm. like <laughs> it's me it is too but I yeah. love it I've been here so long um and it's just probably a relief not to have to talk a whole lot or choose who you kind of want to talk to and you've got the company of you know the energy of somebody and it's like you can tell them anything you know what I right. mean right like anything and it's kind of like we're like a the priestesses are underground and the priests are overground you know what I mean yeah, Where like the okay. priest of the Catholic church, you're like, you have to go to, they have a brick and mortar place, a church, you go there, hello, blah, blah, blah. You knock on the thing. They talk to you. It's all yeah. official, but the woman or the feminine it, who takes your confession, she has to be underground in the dark, naked, right. To receive confessions. Right. So there's an interesting polarity in there. The cave. She's still in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she's the wild woman, right? She's, She's a force of nature, woman in the cave and the man in, in the yes. okay. outside in the daytime. So you have to go to the cave to confess to the feminine. That's where she's waiting to receive your confession. But yeah. the masculine is outside in the sun, the daylight, you know, at the church. So I just think it's, I've always I noticed that right as a stripper myself where <laughs> I had to true. be naked underground in the dark in this red velvet plush whatever. Right. And it's all like dingy and, and, and so, you know, it, but it's so real and so primordial and so natural too, at the same time. Right. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I enjoyed about it is that I got to be a force of nature. And I think that that's what that is, right. They want it to return is, to that space. It's definitely, uh, being more primal, like vibe, like, and then, so to bring it out of that though that's why i entered burlesque ah. so it saved me and i could right. like do something that fueled that spirit of the dance it didn't fuel the work i was doing but i needed a break from it at mm -hmm. points after right. doing this so long you need breaks i mean i did i mean i yes. can't imagine doing it this long without having some breaks you have to you have to and i, I wanted to ask you amazing. anyway if you could you'd be amazing <laughs> i mean i don't know man that, that's keep going, a, i don't know I'm... i don't think it's possible honestly at some point somebody <laughs> has to take some break you know yes. i love i love that you did that and that you transferred that energy into burlesque so that's why i wanted to ask you about that like what's the difference between um the burlesque experience and the stripping experience they're completely different worlds even the dance um so burlesque is like taking an inner vision and creating a work, a theatrical, for me, creating a theatrical story. Yeah. But it, it I did, did feel naturally good at it because of the work my family was in and the flyers I grew up with. And then also being a stripper for so long, I started very, I started doing burlesque probably in 2003 um and not regularly i just would like oh there's a burlesque show i'll enter it you know what i mean like right, you're in right. front of hood. and it wasn't like a scene i never entered the whole thing like it is now and i don't know frankly i don't know if it was like that then i don't know because i never was a 
like somebody who wanted to go to a lot of festivals or concerts or anything. Yeah, I kind of right. traveled for like nature reasons more. Uh, you know? Yes. So, um, so yeah, I would do burlesque shows if it was like convenient, it was there and I loved it. I loved, and I wanted to develop that in my life, like the whole time. And I was dancing away, you know, and I felt really good at strip tease just in general. Like I've always been good at the dance part and focused on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so burlesque started happening a little and now I'm really into this burlesque. Uh, for now I've been doing it um, 11, maybe 12 years straight with the Foul Play Cabaret and a real troupe based out of Hot Springs. They're pretty awesome. Oh my God. I, I love uh, watching your videos on Instagram. I love so, it. And they're individually so talented and award-winning individuals. I couldn't have asked to been a part of like, that's why I wound up staying in my hometown because I was traveling a lot before that. Mm-hmm. So the foul play, okay, so the show is different than stripping because the show is a place for the artistic side of the matter or to utilize the skill that I've learned from years of striptease to create a, this theatrical stories that I have going on in my head or like experiences that I've lived that I want to tell through dance because I think that I've done been an artist I've been a writer I do all these different things I'm you know I'm a costume maker um but I feel like telling the story is the reason I do all that like I'll draw it I'll create it and then I'll tell it and a lot of times it is stories in my life so burlesque gives me the opportunities for that. And it is a good way if you were were spent years stripping, you wanted a break. It's a very good um, outlet for that because I found that the hardest is not like at points where I wasn't stripping, I would crave it. So that actually filled that hole for me energetically. But I went, you know, when I was ready to go back to dancing, because I never wanted to quit, I just need breaks. Right. Um, I wound up back. And so stripping is, I'm trying not, I'm trying to stand you. So stripping is totally different. It's way more primitive. It's just grindy, grimy, just, I mean, (laughs) especially where I work. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) So it's just another dance, a whole nother dance to really seduce as in burlesque is to tell a story. And you could tell a seductive story, of course, but I mean, really you seduce like erotically, like in a real erotic way, like right, you know, right in front of them, as opposed to back to them more with burlesque. Right. It's more, you take the old school ways of stripping and apply that to burlesque and burlesque still has those rules to an extent. Well, does stripping come from burlesque? Yes. So burlesque is the first stripping, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, right. but back in the day, they didn't just go on the pole and get naked like we do, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. They had the whole thing, right? It was a different world. And so burlesque started with that all the way uh, 1700s, maybe before. Right. I'd like to know right. the exact dates. Um, and like I said, I have that in my family dating back as what I know for a fact, 1923 and multiple family members. Mm -hmm. So 
I really love the history. And so I fit in with that, but I craved stripping because the, well, the freedom mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. The freedom is the number one thing, the right. freedom to be able to travel and I'm older. I don't get jobs just everywhere anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I was just in Tucson. I worked there a lot. Mm-hmm. I work at this club that hires older women. And you know what? At first, it's kind of like, you know, I wanted to work at this one because there's people I love that work there that I know. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't get high. I didn't get hired. And that's never happened to me. I'm really talented. Like, you know what I mean? But the Yeah, you are. Yes. Right. And that's okay. Like, I'm not like panics right. right I mean right I've been hot long enough like it's cool <laughs> <laughs> but I been saying there is that yeah. it's not the customers it's yeah. the more the people running the place yes so they me to go true, though person club and guess what why am I upset that place was awesome right it was awesome yeah it was like people like me so I mean really it's not that bad usually right alter- like things like that it does change but it's not bad. It's not like, right. It, you just have to it go, makes you take yep. a notch, like for a minute. It was kind of embarrassing for me. I've never, That's I've it. never been turned down a whole lot. Like, yeah. cause I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I was always good at it. Well, you're, yeah, you're good at it. I mean, and that's the thing about what I, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it was like this back then and I didn't notice. And that's clearly something that's possible, you know? Um, but I feel like, Right now, the mainstream idea of the stripper and how uh, she expresses herself on on uh, social media and everything and the way she's highlighted, it's always this very young, impressionable person, right? And the there's a lot of older people that are still doing it. I know a lot of people who are still doing it who are older. And That's I think great. that, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom that comes from <clears throat> the woman who's been doing this for a very long time, you know, that I think that people, young women should tap into. You have a little bit of that. The only reason my club is so good is because the veteran strippers are running the club now. Um, two girls that I've worked with for 18 plus years, one 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my age. Mm-hmm. They don't, they haven't danced. They've been managers for years. And now they're like completely together as a team. They worked at different mm-hmm. clubs as managers and now they've teamed up and I work at, I go where they go. <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, I don't know. There's a couple sweethearts, but most times they don't want to learn from me. Right. They they act like I'm like, shouldn't be there. Like, you know how it is. I know how it is already. That's how the club's always been. If it's not like because of your age, it's because of something else. I mean, that's just a bunch of femme energy or something. I don't know. It's It's definitely true. It's definitely I've true. I've been like that, but there's not that. There's a lot no, of No, dude, you make, you're making me want to go and work there with you and those other gals. Yeah, you can come in. <laughs> We'd yeah, have so much could. fun. It'd be so much fun. Yeah. Uh, they get on stage and stuff, but they're managing the place. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. want to be a manager. They've asked. The clubs have asked me here. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. No, you're not going to wreck my freedom. That's, well, that would definitely wreck your freedom. For any other reason than to be yeah. free. <laughs> yes. No, 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 no. I don't blame you at all. Well, that's interesting. You have to come in. <laughs> how, how, how do women, how do women run the club in a different way than men run the, run the club? Is oh there any God. real difference? So, well, I mean, well, I have only worked for maybe another woman that ran mm-hmm. a club and all of these women have been strippers. So I don't know what that would be like for a non-stripper to run it. As a, 
to female. Right. But males, um, they've obviously, let's just face it, they've never been strippers typically, unless, right. and, and if they were male strippers, it might have, it was probably a little different. It's very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very different. So, yeah, but I'm, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. They're just, yeah, bossy, picky. A lot of the, lot of the managers, it's their own tastes. Uh, they're uh-huh. nice. You know, it's a flirty thing. <laughs> Right. And then I had him straight up mean to me. The last one just never liked me because he was a bouncer for years. And then mm-hmm. he became the manager. And then he was just against, I don't know why. I don't know. He just got weird. And so I went over there where the veteran stripper was running the other club, which uh-huh. put a dent in my money because the other club's not as good. Oh. So I waited it out until he got fired. And then the veteran stripper dancer uh, manager moved there. And then another one joined the team. And so I'm just like, it's been wonderful. Oh my so God. It, that doesn't is... matter. it matters if you've been in the industry. Right, right. It really does. And if you've been good in the industry, because this guy who was the manager had been in the industry as a bouncer for a long time. Mm-hmm. But instead of like, getting that position and continuing to be like that kind of protector he started becoming a weird aggressor and so yeah. like get like weird i don't know a lot of them are mm, i don't know yeah i'd rather dance with, with anywhere where a veteran performer of any type works <laughs> well you know uh there's this there's one person one male manager that i have worked with in austin and he is honestly i wish they could clone him because uh, he's the only male manager I ever worked with uh, that really is very respectful. Is like a human being. It doesn't patronize yeah. you or he totally wants you to make money. You know, I don't know, man. He just has a huge, big golden heart. And it just like, oh. like you need to be cloned, dude. You know what I mean? Like he's the man who runs everything everywhere all the time. So it's a very rare event when that happens. And, um, you know, I haven't worked at every club or like, you know, but I've worked in a lot of clubs and a lot of times I am the new dancer. So they mm-hmm. are always, even my club, harsher on the new dancer. They want to kind of make sure that they fit in with the rules and with like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're always watching the new dancers. So being a traveler, you're always a new dancer status. So, you know, maybe I had to deal with that side a little harder right, than right. being somewhere for a while mm-hmm. and actually get to know somebody's person. So that's yeah. just like my view on things and my views different than others. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had different experiences, <clears throat> but I'm really loving working for the older dancers. And even in, when I worked in Humboldt, um, the older dancer ran the club and she owned the club, which was really cool. That is and really rare. Cool. It was great. Oh, I love that. So the, the feminine energy feels better. It just feels more at home. To, yeah, for every yeah. females I've ever worked for in clubs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. But maybe because it's more of a thin thing, like the energy is like that there for us. Right, right. So uh, when a guy comes in and he's bossing us around. I know. Guys, it's a weird dynamic. Maybe it is just like ego stuff. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it's really, it's, it's really <laughs> rare. It's really rare to encounter a masculine vibe that doesn't want to ultimately control the wild feminine, right? To like get it's her in order, like, right? It's a caveman thing, I guess. Let's yeah, it, the caves. Exactly. Okay, so I, I really want to talk about this um, too. Uh, before we we start wrapping it up, 
And I, I want to tie it back to this idea of the wild woman, this idea of the frontier woman, of the feral feminine, right? Uh, we talked about this yesterday when we were on the phone, right, to uh, mention today's podcast about the farm and the club and how you sort of traverse back and forth between these two spaces. And I just think yeah. it's really a cool way to look at how you come from this very feral space of like farming or this farm space. And then now I have to go back into civilization, right? But I'll just go into yeah. the edge. I'll go and exist in the edge of it, you know, which yeah. is also very wild too. Yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah. We were talking about that the other day. It was interesting. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so living out in remote places and traveling like I did, I didn't want, I traveled because I love nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, being a dancer tied me to town in a lot of ways. And, but so I would seek some underground, maybe even in my area things, which I did find that every now and then, but, um, I, so like a lot of times I would have to do other things to survive like deep in nature. Like in Hawaii, I lived in Puna side. I lived in Kalapana for four years. So, um, and I lived in tents and stuff to survive there because I didn't have a regular work. Um, and I would go and seek that because I missed dancing more than, and I needed the money then, but I knew that it wasn't going to be that lucrative for me because once you're in Hawaii and you go to town, you're going to spend money, so much money just to be there and do the thing. And then you're going to come back poor and tired and had to do this crazy sketchy thing. And in Hawaii where there's no strip clubs. So I had to go underground and do really underground shows in um, towns and all over Hawaii. Uh, When I did the bachelor party, underground bachelor parties is what I got into. Okay, right. Um, Yeah. And it was great. I made money, but then eventually it got me out in nature and it got me renting a place in the town thinking that's what I wanted to do. And I felt like all I did was work to do that. And so I gave that all up and I went back out in the nature and I worked on the farm again for $8 an hour for years. Right, right. <laughs> Four years. Wow. And then every now and then I would crave that because it wasn't even town that I was craving. It was, well, kind of though, because I couldn't afford like meat or cheese or dairy in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. things right because it was oh. like really remote and you just ate what was available from the farms and things and so like I would crave oh I can if I go and work over here in this crazy city for a couple of days I can eat like at a restaurant and I can like you know and so the balance was a little fun but it got to where when I was doing that I was drinking a whole lot more and I wound up some situations you know where it felt like it wasn't really positive for me so dancing sometimes has led me into not always a positive space in a way like it's helped me get around but like in certain incidences when nature is like calling it was more important because like being out there is actually unhealthy to be in that other space and that's why somewhere like Hawaii, though, is different, say, than probably living in, like, Los Angeles or something. And, well, I mean, there's nature everywhere, but right. it's different because nature is such a huge thing there that there is no strip clubs. You know what I mean? Like, there just isn't. They don't want that there. So your 
were seeking underground in a town. Like it just turned, it just where an energy bubble there is more about nature. So yeah. So yeah, I, I felt the whip pull of that not being positive in a way where it sent me to industrial land. And to the point I got in a room, a house and stuff. Right. And I was like miserable having to do this and tired and drunk. And it's like, I didn't feel like I was in nature in Hawaii. Like, what am I doing in Hawaii if I can't oh. be here? So then I did it again because I've lived in Hawaii a lot of different times. Um, went to Maui because I wanted to live on another island. And for one year, I worked as a hostess because there's no strip clothes in Maui. Mm-hmm. So I worked as a hostess, which is, you know what hostess bars are? Um, I think I do. Tell it, but tell me anyway. Okay. So a hostess bar, I might have to plug my phone in again in a minute. A hostess bar is, um, it's like a strip club without a stage. And they typically are a restaurant where you pay, you come in and you sit at the booth and the girl comes and hosts you. I'm their server. They're, this is my booth. I get these two booths. Whoever wants to sit in them will buy my time. They'll sit in them. They'll, I'll serve them their food that a lady makes. And then I hang out with them and I sing karaoke. It's like a date in that place. Uh-huh. It's like having a date right. and you go to the best strip and say you go to the strip. Well, this is, this is very similar to like in Japan, the whole idea of the gay That's what it is. Uh-huh. That's, uh-huh. This is the Japanese thing and that's why I did it in Hawaii. Okay. So there's no strip clubs. So I found out what can I do that's closest to strip clubs? Are there bachelor party companies? Found out there's none of that. And so I found out there's hostess bars. And I went up to them and I was the only white looking person ever to work for these people. And I worked there for a year, which was, I mean, I was saying that was a cooler experience. You know, that was cool. That is, yeah, that would be uh, cool. I got, I got hired. I came up, I said, hey, I've been a stripper for 20 years, or like whatever year, not 20 years at that point, but long time. Um, I can host, I know what these places are. Cause I went and I did my research first. I went to one and hung out uh-huh. and, uh, I was like, Oh, that's like, okay, I got this. Right. Right. So sure. they hired me. And so I was able to rent a nice house in Maui right by the surf beach. Like, I mean, nice house has not I only paid a thousand dollars a month, but it was like close to the beach and it was like right. behind, it had my own little yard and a little nice, you know, one that room. Sounds kind of like house. heaven. It sounds like yeah. heaven. And so, um, and I would ride my bike there because it was uh-huh. right down the road. Uh-huh. It's not a big deal out there. It's like, and what year was this? God, um, that was 13 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, it feels like the, that's the last big thing. <laughs> venture. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so then, but then I was living in Maui. Same thing started happening. I was in town. I wanted to do this and that, and I would do it, but it was here and there. I was working to maintain the place. The food price of food, living in a house and you're cooking, I mean, instead of living off the farms and stuff, was so crazy expensive. I never could go out to eat or anything. I didn't have that kind of extra money, still doing what I was doing. I was drunk all the time again. Right. So I was like, man, I don't really like the experience of living in a nature, energy-rich place and trying to be this lifestyle. So it's kind of like where it, it does work for a lot of things, but I don't think for me in Hawaii, that's been the best experience. And then I lived in Oahu and I had to live in the city. I just, so many tries. 
right right in a rich rich nature area yeah i mean i just i love your story of of the of the i love your story of the connecting uh between like the underground and the industri industrial world or the postmodern world and going into civilization, into the grit and grime and then nature, like this this borderland there of, of, of experience in between both places. Um, and that makes me think of like, there's so many things we can talk about, like with your life story. I think it's fascinating. I mean, it's just like, because you've shared some stuff on Instagram about some really harsh stories. And then I'd like to, maybe we can do another podcast and we can talk about that. Um, yeah. in particular, because we can go on forever and ever about all yeah. of <laughs> all of these experiences. Um, but it's definitely like light and dark, like you're in this world of like bliss, but you still have to enter the world of money and it's still there, but it's like, and then to do it in an underground way, it's even a darker reality than a kind right. of like an energy level that I was like facing at that time was very like different there's more high contrast and i think then than there is now there, yeah, there's more definitely. high contrast yeah, right yeah yeah no i definitely i definitely see that um for sure and that's that's like a huge difference that i that i see now uh when it comes to stripping in the world of, of stripping and sex work in general i mean sex work is always yeah. going to be dark it's always going to live underground somehow and be dark well that's um, where the dark uh you know like a lot of dark people go to help get what they need or healing especially because with me right i don't know like yeah. when i have customers that's where they go <laughs> yeah no it, it's definitely it's definitely true um but before we wrap up here i wanted to ask you definitely a a, a question about something that you would tell women who have never had this kind of wild woman experience in their lives uh, women who have always been more domesticated or have never been to the edge of culture or the frontier, an outsider, feral, feral like this, you know, uh, what, what is it that, what is it that, that they may not understand about or that they do not want to understand about the feral feminine like you, uh, like my experience, what, what kind of advice or what would you say to them about being a wild woman? What's that like? I don't they, know. I think it's try. important to try to tap into your like true wants and desires and like try to like tap into that somehow because if you're just droning on living a, is that rude? No, <laughs> just say the okay. thing, say it. Okay. If you're droning on living that life, just like I was in a box, like, and that's fine. Like, I'm just not in that brain really. Uh -huh. So I feel like just live like living or struck putting one foot into the other towards your dream of whatever that is. I mean, you're like funnest and most wild dream, you know, just move towards the direction. You don't have to go and do it right away, but make a move, go and get a piece for it. Or like, you know what I mean? Or yes. like go and make a move towards it because you, I don't feel like it's, personally like for me it wouldn't be healthy to live a life to have never have just kind of chanced or gambled and and won you know with nature like being able to get out there because I made the moves you know like right you just got to make a move like any dream that you truly have and instead of squashing it or being like I can't do it you don't have to do it right now maybe you're not ready just 
move in that direction. And that doesn't mean quit your job tomorrow. Just <laughs> right. I mean? I mean, but that's what I would have done at this point. Cause I've already, I put, I moved. So, right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. If something gets in my way, they're out, it's out, it's out. I'm going to, I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it, you know, and that's not get rich either. That's more like travel. So, yes. No, right. So, experience. Got an undying need. Experience something very different. Like bite that apple. It's like you and I are being like a little bit of that, uh, the serpent in the garden of Eden with Eve yeah. saying, eat the apple girl. Yeah. <laughs> Take a <Right>. bite girl. <laughs> right. It's <Yeah>. all good. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Jezebel, we're going to go ahead and wrap up now, but there's just look, you and I, we can talk forever and ever and ever. Uh, there's no, just so easy much. To talk to more than most. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, this has been fun. And this is actually very much like the way we probably would be in the locker room if we worked together at the strip club. True. We would just be hanging out. There was, it Me was and dead. you. But yeah. there's like some of these young girls probably would like lose interest. They'd be like, oh gosh, they're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Because they're like they taking, sel so they're taking selfies. They're taking selfies in, on Instagram right now. Not all of them. Just I know. <laughs> there's a few. Don't get you mad. Don't get mad. You think we're weird. <laughs> All right. Oh, I love it. This is so much fun. I want to have you on again for sure. Um, fun. I like it. It's fun. I like doing it. We'll talk about some all kinds of other things. And um, I really fun. appreciate that you took the time to come on today. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Well, so, I mean, so yeah. I'm going to share with people where they can go and follow you on Instagram. Um, all the all the links I will share here um, on YouTube, the links here and there, anywhere I share it, I'll definitely um, share your links with people as well. So yeah. is there, is there anything that you'd like to, to close with anything you want to say? Hmm. Well, I think I've said everything I should think okay. of something, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know. Uh, well, it's time. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's right. all folks. <laughs> that's all folks. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you soon again. And everybody, thanks again for tuning in and until next time. All right. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to me if you did. If you didn't, then you're a bimbo. Bimbo.